Welcome to Off the Beaten Path, But Not Lost. With Tony, Kristen, Kylie, and Lexi. Join us on this RV full-time living journey. Across the beautiful United States. Where the fellas? Welcome to episode 71. Today is going to be part one of a two-part series we're going to call the Class A RV Experience. Today we're going to talk all about driving your Class A and some things, tips and tricks. You say we, but really you. I'm going to just keep you in line. Well, you've seen me do it enough. You could probably do it. I don't think so. And then next week we will talk, or the next episode, which actually won't be next week, but then... Part two. Yeah, It'll be in a couple weeks. Will be part two, and that'll be about maintaining and safety tips. Yep. First, if you enjoy our podcast, please give us a review on whatever platform you use. We'd love to see your review, which will also help us get noticed by more people. Yep. If you want any of the links that we mention in this episode, you can find them at thefailas.com slash 71. All right, let's jump into this. So let's talk about some tips before getting started. Here's one thing that I had to learn. Let's just, let's start from the beginning for me. Uh, We bought the RV brand new in late 2016. It's a 2017 model. It only had a couple hundred miles on it. So, and I'd never driven one before. And they had so much confidence in me. They just handed me the keys and told me, have a (laughs) nice day. (laughs) They don't require you, at least in Michigan, they don't require you to have any special license or anything. So we literally just showed up, handed us the keys, and we rolled off. Yep. So one thing that I had to learn, and I did learn real quick, was to take your time and don't let anybody rush you. Because no matter how hard you press the skinny pedal on the right, (laughs) all it does is make more noise. It does not go any faster. So you're talking it, about going up a hill. <laughs> if it does go faster, it becomes dangerous. I thought you were talking about parking. Nope. Because <laughs> that's what I stress out. <laughs> everyone's, you, everyone's watching you and like, you know, I feel like you're being rushed, but. This is just in a, as a whole. Okay. <laughs> so whatever you're doing in your RV, just take your time. Another tip is RV miles are different than car miles. One thing when we first started RVing, we would make plans like we used to drive. And we could drive five, six, seven hours or longer, and it'd be no big deal. But in an RV, it's totally different. Those miles are way more stressful and way more, I don't know, taxing (laughs) on your body. Yeah, exhausting and everything. If you're using Google Maps to plan your RV trips, you're making a mistake as far as time goes, timing. Yeah, you need to plan for more breaks. Yep. You need to plan for slower. For hills. <laughs> for hills. Um, and yeah, it'll take longer than you expect. And yep. I would definitely invest in an RV specific GPS or we use RV Trip Wizard, which that is um, an RV friendly. And yep. we'll just match that up to Google Maps. Yeah. Uh, and what I'll do is compare the route and see if it's a similar route or if sometimes the RV GPS takes me a completely different way. And it does that to make it an RV safe route as far as like avoiding mountains and stuff like that. So 
And you'll just have to figure out what your preferred travel distance is. We like to be around three hours. <laughs> but of course, we live on our, you know, we live in the RV and we travel at our pace. So we can take three to four hours and yep. it'd be perfect. Um, but if you're just like vacationing, then you'll probably have to spend a little bit more time driving in the RV. Um, but that's just something to think about. Yep. Another tip, follow a checklist. That can involve uh, setting up or breaking down to leave to make sure you have all the pins in the right places and the cords and the cables and the, all the things. We don't actually have a written checklist. We probably should because there's been a couple of times that we forgot to do something. But Tony has a list in his head and he does the same routine. So normally when he's like breaking down, I don't like to interrupt him. Yeah. I just like him to do his thing because <laughs> he goes through the whole list. And then when he sits down, I do a quick run through, you know, is the yep. Jeep hooked up? Is the, yep. <laughs> is the refrigerator closed? That's all I care about. Those two things. We'll get into more detail about this as we go throughout this podcast. So some of these things you might want to add to a checklist. Mm -hmm. And there's even, I think there's apps and stuff for like your camping checklist. Yeah, maybe we'll come up with one, a handout. Yeah, you can download a PDF. Another thing to consider when you're, if you're just getting into RVing or if you haven't bought one yet, is depending on the state that you're in, uh, sometimes some RVs, depending on the size and type, require a special license. Sometimes it involves the weight of the RV. We're Texans, so we we were under what would require like a CDL or something like that. So we didn't have to get any special license to register our the RV there. Typically, how it works is if you own a Class B or C, generally you can drive with a regular driver's license in all 50 states. However, if your vehicle is heavier than 26,000 pounds or longer than 40 feet, you may need a special license. Yeah. And then I think in some states, they do require the Class A to get it, and that's probably because of the weight, I'm assuming. Yeah, more than likely. They're, they're a little bit heavier. And just a pro tip, if your license matches the requirements in the state where your RV is registered, you don't need to obtain a special license. So it doesn't matter if you're driving through another state that does require it. If your state does not, you're okay. Yep. And I think that's the same in Canada as well. Okay. So. And we'll put a link up where uh, you can find all this information that we have. Yep. And also, if I mean, obviously... I'm going to share a link from Progressive.com, which is the insurance that we go through. But please do your own research, especially if you're going outside of the country. Make sure that um, you're following their guidelines. All right. Let's talk about what you need to know before driving for the first time. And this is when I check out. <laughs> <laughs> Just I'll give you a list of things that I didn't know when I first started driving our RV. <laughs> but you should know. Yes. <laughs> It's good to know. We didn't really do a lot of traveling when we first got it, so it wasn't that big of a deal. We pretty much drove it home and played with it in a driveway for a while. First thing is the height, the overall height. And from, that's from the road yep. to the top of like your air conditioner. Exactly. That's <laughs> typically most likely the highest point on your RV, unless you have extra antennas or solar panels, rack or something like that. You should know the width. Most full-size like Class A's and stuff like that are going to be typically the same width, right around 8 feet wide. Plus mirrors sometimes. And you should know that width slides in for driving. Yep. Yep. So you'll want to know the width if you're on specific roads. Um, but you also should know the width with your slides out for when you get to campgrounds. Yep, because we have encountered some campgrounds that when you were like registering online or something, they would ask the full width of the RV because not all sites are created equal. <laughs> uh, the overall length, 
our RV is a 36 foot model, but actually the overall length is over 37 feet. That doesn't include like the bikes on the back when we have that hitch and stuff. So be mindful of that. And then the weight. There's a lot to go. There's a lot of baggage that comes with weight. There's unloaded and loaded weights um, that can fall into your tanks, your freshwater tank, your black water and gray water, propane. When you start adding all that stuff, your gross vehicle weight or your payload starts bumping up quite a bit. Um, on your on the tag on your RV, ours is a sticker on the inside, is the gross vehicle weight rating. And then you also have the gross combined weight rating, and that would include your towed vehicle or trailer or whatever you have. It's important to know the weight for a few different reasons. Mm -hmm. One of them is road weight restrictions. So some roads have restrictions and you need to know if you're over those weights. Yeah. Um, There's been, there's been roads that we, or bridges, small bridges Mm -hmm. that will have a sign. You've seen them. I'm sure that have like a, you know, a 10 ton weight limit or something like that. Another important factor with the weight on your RV is the distribution of it. So you've seen, I've, I've seen many times, because that's something I notice. sometimes you'll see that RV going down the road and the butt or the back end is sagging. That's because it's overloaded in the back, whether they have an extra hitch, you know, with all their bins or, you know, motorcycle or something like that. Sometimes it just, it throws the weight off so much that the back sags. And that can affect your handling and your tire wear and all that stuff. So that's something to keep in mind. When you're loading your RV. Another thing that's impacted by weight is acceleration, fuel economy. It's important when you're merging into traffic or turning out onto a road with traffic coming at you. Yeah, like giving yourself ample time in traffic. For example, if we have to turn left or right, either way, but usually left turns and we're crossing traffic without a stop sign or stoplight or anything, especially with the Jeep behind us. It takes us a long time to make that full wide left turn. And the heavier you are, the longer it'll take. Yeah, like a (laughs) snail crossing traffic. You should also know your typical mileage that you get with your RV. And this is because you need to know about how far you can go before you're going to have to get gas. Because that's another thing that you need to prepare for is (laughs) gas stations. And we talk about that later on in the podcast. You don't need to know that before you start driving your rig but you should know your typical mileage that you get. Yeah, and that'll that'll be something that you you kind of like you can adapt yeah. as you put more miles on it. Also consider a decent difference between just your RV and your RV plus your towed vehicle. Another thing to keep in mind, the rear overhang. Now this is this can vary greatly between RVs. For example, ours we I don't, I don't know exactly how far ours hangs over, but I would say it's about 10 feet past the rear wheels and that can affect when you're going up or down you know small inclines or declines as far as how long your 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 overall rig is sometimes that can drag like we have drug before just coming into like Mm -hmm. gas station entrances and things like that keep that in mind some of them some rigs have like little skid plates at the very back like where your hitch is like ours has a couple little skid plates and they've skidded before (laughs) Just something to know how big yours is. Yep. And then you should also understand your mirrors and your blind spots. Sit in the driver's seat and have somebody walk around your rig and so you can see where your blind spots are and how your mirrors work. 
And we'll get into detail a little bit later about mirrors, but can you just briefly tell us the difference between the two mirrors that are on most Class A's? So yeah, for example, on our rig, the upper mirror, it's bigger. It's it's just like your flat, regular mirror like you'd have on your car. And then underneath is a more of a uh, curved. curved mirror. I was trying to think of it. Convex. Concaved. Convex, maybe. <laughs> Either way, it's like a blind spot mirror. So it's a wide angle. And I can adjust that separate from the regular mirror to sh- to kind of show me down further and f- out so that when people try to pass me on the right or left, I can see exactly where they're at. So you can change both of those around to get the most views possible. Yep. But still, after you get that all changed, still have somebody walk around so you know where you don't see people um, so that you can be more aware when you're backing up or going forward or whatever, that that's a blind spot for you. So you have to make sure that there's no one there. Yeah, and another handy feature that we have are blind spot cameras on each mirror. So as we're driving, I have a screen that actually shows me my right and left side That's pointing cool. at the road. I didn't road. know you had that. You didn't? <laughs> no. Yeah, and when I cha- when I hit my blinker, it actually the screen changes to it isolates that side. Oh, how fancy. Yep. We're fancy, guys. I didn't know that. Okay, cool. Let's jump into the first section, which is preparing your RV for driving. This is Every single time that you're getting ready to drive it, not before you ever drive it. This is every time. (laughs) What should you do before you start driving every time? We're just going to go down the list, and I'll kind of hit on each one of them. Tires. Air pressure. Tire pressure is very important, especially uh, if there's a weather cycle like heat and cold. Because as the temperature drops, the faster it drops and the colder it gets, your you get you'll actually your tire pressure will decrease. So if you're gonna leave early in the morning, and it gets really cold at night, your tire pressure is more than likely gonna be a couple pounds lower than normal. So that's important to check. Should you also check and make sure there's no bumps or anything like that looks weird? Yeah, look for <laughs> because, bulges, yeah. Uh, scrapes, because you know the longer the RV, the more likely you are to scrape tires on curbs and that stuff. And then depending how long you were at that campground, there could be some kind of issue that happened yep. while you were there. So just definitely take a look at your tires. Especially the, the rears, if you have that the dually on the rear, the inner dual is very hard to see. So it's important to check that too. I ask you that frequently. Did you check our tires recently? Yep. <laughs> yes, Kristen, every time. <laughs> and age. Uh, age is important, but we can get into that in a different podcast. Yeah, we'll get into that then. Uh, lights, and that includes your RV and your toad. Yeah, actually, one time our toad lights were not working. Yep. We don't know when they stopped working. I mean, we know you had checked it, you know, before we started moving from our last one, but then you had checked again, like, on our next trip, and they were, what was wrong with them? Do you remember? Um, so it's just the running lights quit working. So, and it turned out to be the, um, just the extension from the RV to the Jeep. But the brake lights and the blinkers still work. And you should make sure that none are broken. None of your RV lights are broken. Your yeah, blinkers are out. working. Yeah, make sure everything's... It's it's one thing when you're in a car, but when you're in like a big RV, you want to make yep. sure people know what you're doing and if they're stopping, if you're stopping or whatever. So just make sure all your lights are working. Yep. Also an important thing to think about is if you have stuff on like your RV ladder st- for storage, like some people keep 
extra ladders or bike racks or something like that. Make sure there's no obstructions that block or cover the taillights. And that goes for your towed vehicle as well. Leveling jacks. Make sure they're not stuck on anything yep. <laughs> and that they all are working. We actually had a leveling jack problem one time. Yep. Well, a couple different times. Yeah, somebody at the campground came up, and it was dark when we were setting up, and they came over and said, hey, when your jacks are coming down, they're sparking. Yeah. And it, that was when the RV was, like, brand new. That was, like, probably the first or second time that we'd ever used it. Yeah, that was really cool, too, because it just happened to be dark, so he yeah. could see it really easy. Yeah, without it being dark, we'd have never known. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be, like, a loose ground or something somewhere. Also, they can get frozen to the ground if they've been down and it's cold out or stuck in the mud. We've actually had it. I don't think we've, actually, I don't think we've had it stuck in the mud. But we had frozen? It was frozen to the ground. I had to whack it with a board. Where was that? That was, Let's um, never go there again during that time. The next thing you need to do is make sure you're disconnected. From your power pedestal? Yeah. Your hose, your sewer? <laughs> yes. Sometimes you can be right on track and then somebody comes and talks to you in the middle of it. Or somebody calls you into the RV or something right as you're trying to do that stuff. So make Dist- sure you keep your distractions to a minimum. That's very helpful. Yeah. Checking the fluids, you know, RVs, whether it's gas or diesel, you're going to have oil to check your fuel levels, obviously to see plan ahead to see if you need to get gas or fuel. Windshield wiper fluid. Windshield wiper fluid. Yeah. That's a good one because you have a really big, especially in a class A, you have a really big, gorgeous window and you yeah. don't want a whole bunch of bugs splattered all over it. So yep. you want to be able to clean it. Propane. Make sure it's off. Yeah. Tony doesn't ever shut it off. I do, actually. <laughs> and it freaks me out. So shut your propane off when you're driving. Unless you have a, you know, situation where you can't do it, but. Doors and hatches, like all your garage doors. I always close mine, make sure they're locked. Double check them. We've had them open before. Yeah. On while we're driving. Yeah, we've had people, you know, luckily not on like the highway or anything like that, but had maybe just pulled out onto a side street or something and somebody flashes us or honks and waves us down and said, hey, get a door open. So, and most of the time, I mean, we checked them and we locked them. It just didn't, we just didn't double check it. Yeah. And then like your main door, there's, we've never had our door open, but sometimes if it's not fully, latched and dead bolted it can partially open and that totally freaks me out yeah you can hear it kind of clunk i always make a big deal tony's like we're not gonna get sucked out yeah it's not a commercial airliner it'll be okay i'll pull over and we'll shut the door properly and i'm like we gotta shut it now and usually that happens if if we're somewhere (laughs) and i'm in and out a bunch of times or you'll just like barely shut like you'll shut it and maybe lock one yeah i usually lock the bottom yeah and it doesn't lock all the way Awnings, windows, vents, your retractable stairs. We've seen lots of stairs down driving yes. around. <laughs> and sometimes that's just, you know, if you have a broken stair or something. But we've actually had broken stairs that wanted to come out. I had to use a ratchet strap to keep them secured yeah. until we could fix that. Um, but some RV parks we've been to, as you're driving out, there's a big sign that'll say, D- did you forget your TV antenna or something? Because a lot of different types of RVs. Sometimes they have like the manual uh, TV antenna or satellite dish or Mm -hmm. something like that. So those are important to make sure are closed. And then make sure all your windows are closed. Some of our windows um, on the sides of the RV are the ones that go 
I don't know. They out. open from the bottom out. Yeah. yeah I exactly. forget what it's called, but. Yeah. So you don't want those open while you're driving. So make sure those are all shut. And then like your vents, your fan vents, um, we have covers on ours so the wind doesn't affect them. But before that, if we had had one up and drove, you can hear it flapping. Yeah, easily so, could have lost a cover. They're very, they're not, they're very flimsy. So it's, it doesn't take much to break those. One thing that I do every time I'm back there is I check the pins and connection points on the Jeep just because there's there's several different points. There's the hitch pin, there's the tow bar pins that connect to the tow bar bracket, and then there's two additional pins that connect those. So I make sure that every pin is in place and the safety cables. And you check those like at gas stations yep. and stuff too, right? So not yeah, just before we start driving. But just whenever we pull over and get gas or yep. at a rest area or something, you check those just to make sure. Yeah, if we do like a one an overnight somewhere and we don't unhook the Jeep, uh, I always check it before we leave. You should clean your windshield for the passenger. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The windshield wipers are never that great. So no. you should just give it a good cleaning before so that you have no distractions or anything on your windshield. And we've had several occasions where we're going, we're driving it in the, you know, late afternoon, early evening, and we just hit a swarm. Oh, yeah. And it just annihilates our windshield. And the wipers, they do what they normally do and, you know, kind of kind of clean it <laughs> and kind of smear. So if you, we actually have a squeegee that's long enough. It's It has different um, sections that you can connect to make it long enough to actually clean the entire window. So if we don't get to a gas station where they have a long-handled, like, window brush or something like that, then we if we really need to clean the window, I can use my squeegee. So that's that's kind of the basics for outdoor stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, once you move indoors, securing heavy objects for traveling, we don't have a major issue with most of our stuff inside. Um, we used to have a media center. We've actually switched out the media center. Um, but the media center was a big, heavy thing. Yeah, you know, with you, wheels. We have our table, we have our couch, um, but those don't really move around too much. And luckily, a lot of the stuff on the counter, like our air fryer and our our like electric kettle, tea kettle or whatever, that stuff stays put. We've never had that an issue with that moving around. Um, although a lot of times when we travel, we do stow the big things. Mm -hmm. But just make sure everything that's heavy is secured. And all of your cabinet doors and drawers are latched. We had some that were not, I mean, they had good lat, like the latches that came with the RV, but we've had to replace some of those. We've mm -hmm. just bought them on Amazon. We've also bought some child safety locks. Yep. Like uh, the little straps with buckles. Yeah. So for some of the doors and things that do have latches, but they just were never that good. So we bought those and they work really good. And we actually have two that are sliding cabinet doors. That didn't actually come with any type of latch. Mm -hmm. So anytime you turn a corner, one of them would slide open. Not yeah. that it, they're and they're kind of useless cabinets, so we don't store anything in them anyways. <laughs> but they were annoying. <laughs> it's just like every time you turn, is opens up. Another the I'd say the our biggest whoops is our fridge. <laughs> Half the time it'll be latched, like we manually latch it. So it came with a latch, and yep. it was just a really crappy latch. So we actually removed that almost right away. Yep. And now we just put, like, a bungee cord around the handles in the freezer, yep. and it latches it secure, you know. And it's easy enough for everybody to get in it, mm -hmm. and it holds the doors and the freezer shut. Because before, they were just, like, these little tiny metal 
latches that you turned and they would bend and they were super loose and the things would rattle and and they would uh, and they were annoying they would turn themselves and then the door could open so yeah. i just use a bungee cord it's it doesn't damage the door at all and it's super easy to do but sometimes if it's latched and i want to get a water or a coke or something before we leave i'll undo it and go sit down and then halfway through <laughs> i'll go the the refrigerator opens and <laughs> yeah we'll turn a sharp corner and uh, the one of the doors or the freezer will slide open. It's not as bad as a fifth wheel, though, where you... You don't know. You don't know, and you go and get in, and all your food is out. We know, and we just go shut it. Yep. <laughs> you should also check your wipers and your blades on the inside, like, you know, you know, turn them on. Yeah, And yeah. make sure that they're working properly. Yep. See how they're working, because... Especially if you're staying somewhere for a long time in a hot area, like Arizona, they could be stuck to your windshield or something. Exactly, and... If they're exposed to the sun and the heat for a long time, they can actually get that permanent curve or they can harden up. And when you go to use them without testing them, you know, when you really need it in a monsoon or something, <laughs> they're just going to chatter or they're going to rip off. You know, sometimes you have that little string hanging <laughs> because they have that, that set edge now. Yeah. So you should just make sure they work before you go. It's very important that when you're driving a big rig like this and you get on a highway or something that you can see out your windows. Yep. And, you know, in a storm, a rainstorm or a sandstorm or yep. something like that, um, the last thing you want is your windshield wiper to not work. Yep. You want to have fluid to clean and you want to have good wipers that uh, help your visibility. Especially because it takes a couple seconds to do. So just do it. <laughs> and also keep in mind they're like sp- typically class A wipers are a specialty wiper. They don't just sell them everywhere. So keep that in mind. If you if you check them before you leave, you might have time to get some new ones. You don't have to do this every single time because more than likely no one's messing with them, but you should check your mirrors and make sure that they're adjusted properly. Make sure that they haven't been moved. Yeah, if you have power mirrors or something, somebody can easily like hit the button or whatever. And you should adjust your driver's seat. This has probably been moved, especially <laughs> if it's in ours because, you know, we turn the art, we turn the... Yeah, it has the front Ch- captain's chairs that yeah. can spin all the way around. So we, I usually use that for my seat, like if we're watching TV or something. Yeah, so it's always been changed around and moved. So definitely adjust your seat to fit you perfectly. Yep. Cool. And Check. then the em- e-brake, your emergency brake or parking brake. And not because you want to do donuts, <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, make sure that works. And also, before you're, if you've been somewhere a while and you're going to leave, make sure it's disengaged because that can cause some issues too. When you're, if your brake is locked or, or if it's stuck, it can heat up and cause brake issues, driving issues. All right, teach me how to drive a Class A. All right, get your pencil out. <laughs> I'm going to try to teach you to, to the best of my ability. Without showing hand motions. Without screaming at you. <laughs> without showing hand motions. No, I'm just kidding. Well, they can't see us, so yeah. you're going to have to explain it in great detail. Mom, this is for you. When you get your RV, <laughs> Tony's giving you a how-to drive right now. <laughs> All right. We've already talked about not being in a hurry. Also applies to keeping your distance because even if you're not in a hurry – these things don't stop very fast. We have had to stop pretty as quick as we could. And <laughs> when you do that, you'll you'll know it because all, everything from the back ends up in the front. 
everything you didn't secure when you were supposed yep. to and secure. And it's only been a couple times that we've had like a kind of an, we'll say less than an emergency braking situation. So this is keeping your distance between you and the car in front of you. Yep. This is knowing your distance when there's a red light. Yeah, or, or and timing, light. timing that stuff. <laughs> Tony loves to run every red light. Not <laughs> red light. I'm the yellow light master. But it's red before we get there, but I'm sure. <laughs> but we have ran red lights. Yes. And it's not because I wanted to. No, it's because you didn't want to slam on your brakes. But know your distance there. Know your distance on um, where you're going to be turning and how slow you should go before or like, you know, slowing down before your turn. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And that comes with practice, comes with experience, knowing how your vehicle handles especially around curves at like highway speeds or, I mean, in Texas, we've been on back roads that were 75 mile per hour speed limit. And that's for, that's for your passenger cars. That's for cars that are built to handle, not for RVs or Jeeps for that matter, because your vehicle just isn't built to handle that, that kind of turns at that speed. So make sure you can time it right. You know what's coming up. I almost have, almost always have a map up, and I can see kind of what's. I always glance at it. You can see what's coming. Next, know what's along the route, like bridges, overpasses, low clearance issues. We've we've ran into low clearance issues before. I had to turn around because yeah. I was at the very end, and I turned on Google Maps just to see where to turn, and it turned me down a road with a ten foot bridge. <laughs> so that means unhooking your tow vehicle, finding a place to turn the RV around in somebody's driveway, I think, in that t in that case. Getting it turned around, then hooking back up and going the long way. So that's important. Know if there's any mountains. Yeah, mountain so passes. So you can calm your wife down beforehand. <laughs> and those are usually pretty obvious if you're looking at the maps. Uh, I've learned that. Squiggle yeah. roads. <laughs> I've learned that. If you see a bunch of zigzags, find a new route. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> You should also know what gas stations are along your route and about where you'll be ha where you'll need to stop. So this kind of comes into play with um, like your mileage. Obviously, you're not going to be exact yeah. <laughs> of where you want to, but you could just kind of get an idea. I want to stop about here and here. Um, some apps do that really well. RV Trip Wizard does tell us there where is a yeah. There's should. a setting that you can you can have a low fuel warning as far as your route planning. Um, our, our RV has a distance to empty right on the dash. So I can, I, that's easy for me to tell, but as a rule of thumb, I don't really like to get below a half a tank unless I really have to. You should also know the types of gas stations. I mean, we kind of have an idea right now that there's certain gas stations yep. that are like a pain to get into. Yep. Um, and we don't like going to those. What is that one? That's like, it's usually, um, I think it's either like a pilot or flying J usually they'll have a automotive side and they'll have like the, the semi truck side. The automotive side usually is pretty cramped. Yeah. It's not very RV friendly. Sometimes they'll have an RV lane, but if they don't and you're, you're a gas rig like us, you have to either get creative unhook maybe, or just go to the next station. And one tip that I will give you that I do is I look on Google Maps ahead of time most of the time, and I'll see what the layout looks like. You know, if I if there's a – the gas stations that I like to get gas at are the ones that I can drive around the back of the building and hit 
in one of the, one end or the other. I don't like to go in between the gas, you know, where the gas pumps are in the middle. Mm-hmm. I like to be on the end. And usually if you have a gas station, you can drive around. It's easier to do that. The next tip we have for you, check the weather. I'd say the worst condition for us is high winds. Uh, whether it's a, you know, a sheer, for, sheer wind from the side or a headwind. I don't know what's worse. They're, they both stink. And they both affect gas mileage. They both affect handling. There's been times where we've had a wind coming from one side or the other and my steering wheel was turned about a yeah. quarter of the way going straight. So here's our tips here, first of all. Um, number one, if you can go a different route that you're not going to be going into it, that's probably the best way. Yeah. We've done that before. We've yeah. actually went different ways. Yep. Um, if you don't have to go on that day, if it's really windy, I mean, I'm thinking like South Dakota roads. Yeah, Midwest <laughs> maybe, for sure. Yeah, maybe go a different day um, and then take more breaks. So you're going to be exhausted from driving this way, <laughs> which he's going to explain in a second. Um, but you're going to be exhausted. So just take more breaks on those days and plan that ahead of time. Like it's going to be a windy day. I only want to do two hour drive yeah. or three hour at the max. And I want to take a couple breaks. So tell me how to drive in windy conditions. So one thing that I... uh, Do I go as fast as I can? One thing that I do is I typically go slower than normal, uh, especially depending on if it's a wind from the side or if it's a headwind. If it's a headwind, we don't really have a choice. It just, that dictates how fast we're going to go. Keep both hands on the wheel because when you have um, gusting winds and stuff like that, it's not a constant force. It's, It's on and off. So basically you're your brain is on the whole time. Like you're so, always driving it. Yeah. So what you're saying is it'll, the steering wheel will be normal. We'll be driving and all of a sudden you'll get a gust of wind and you're turned Boom, yeah. like 90 degrees. And it has to be quick. Another thing is like that I've learned from driving this, especially in terrible wind conditions is you can't, don't overcorrect. Uh, I use, you know, if it, if, if there's a wind gust and it hits me, I don't jerk the steering wheel to compensate for it. You, you kind of have to, it's hard to explain over without seeing it in action. But, but try, it's like, try to explain it. <laughs> you gradually steer into it and not too much. You basically just want to get enough because if you get too much, which I have before early on, you start to get in a little bit of sway out of the whole rig. And that can be dangerous too if you don't know how to correct that. And then also if the wind just stops. <laughs> That's the thing. If it's a gust and it hits you and then you correct and then the wind is, the gust is gone, then you're, you're changing lanes and you don't want to do that. Another thing to keep in mind, not just in windy conditions, but all the time, but definitely in windy conditions as well, is semi-trucks can cause a little bit of problem, overpasses, bridges. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, how do I handle going over, um, like, a bridge or a valley between mountains. Like for example, where we were driving like around Guadalupe mountains, you know, how it was really windy through there and the valley area. So how do you drive during that area? So I will slow down, you know, uh, I'm usually going under the speed limit anyways. And you kind of have to gauge where the wind is coming from and correct, you know, adapt on the fly. But just pay attention to the sign that says maybe windy. <laughs> Sometimes there will be signs that say high wind area. Like, for example, around Guadalupe Mountain coming from west to east, there is a sign. And you're going uphill. And when we came through there, it's under construction. 
with uh, concrete barriers in a very narrow lane. So we had to be very careful through there. So I just slow down and I don't think we had too many people behind us, but there's passing lanes. That's another thing is just, you did mention semis. Semis can have a big effect as far as wind goes either from either direction. Sometimes if a, if a semi comes around from the driver's side to pass, it, it's pushing wind. So it can kind of push you over a little bit. To, towards them or away from away. them? Away. Okay. So typically it'll push you away from them. And I've always I've learned over over time you compensate for that a little bit, but not too much. You know, and every rig's different. Every rig's going to handle a little different. Also, when a semi's coming towards you, like if you're just on a two-lane road and they're coming head-on, you can get that, that big buffer of wind that hits you from the front. And that doesn't move you around as much, but you can, you, it's like a shock almost, mm-hmm. you know. So just be aware. Just be happen. aware. Or, and sometimes I'll, if there's, if the lane's wide enough, I'll just scoot over another foot. So it, it kind of like, yeah, it, gives it you takes a little, a little bit out of there. So what about sudden rain? We've been in a few incidences where um, it just started raining so hard we couldn't see anything. What do we do? What do you do? And yeah. this big, huge RV. I'd say the worst one we had was going through, I think, Kansas. And out of nowhere, there was like this huge squall. And it was super windy. And it was uh, super rainy. Like we actually saw Toto? Probably. <laughs> and I had to slow way down. I put on my flashers. And actually, the next exit, luckily, was only like maybe a half mile up the road. I actually just got off. And we just sat there and waited. Uh-huh. And but typically, don't... what I did... Typically what we do if we have to get off and wait on the side of the road, especially at an exit, I go past the off-ramp and I cross the whatever road there is and I get on the on-ramp and wait there. Maybe we don't have cars that are kind of speeding or going fast to get off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't want a collision at high speeds like that. And that's if there's a spot to do that. Otherwise, if, yeah. you would just stay off the highway and find yeah. somewhere off the road. Yeah, under a, you know, a yeah. bridge abutment or something like that. Just don't stop, right? Don't stop in yeah. your lane because you don't want people running into you. Yep. So you don't just slam on your brakes or stop on the on the highway. Yep. What about fog or sandstorms? So one thing that we just learned normally... <laughs> in, in New Mexico, near White Sands, they have a long stretch where they're, it's prone to sandstorms. It actually says take your foot off the brake. Yep. <laughs> it does say pull over. But yep. don't leave your foot on the brake because they don't want people coming behind you that can, that have no or low visibility. They don't want to see your brake lights and run into you. So that's one thing that you, if you're going to get off the side of the road, don't have your you know foot on the brake to where it looks like you're driving down the road. And just so you know, when you're in this area, this that was near White Sands. Yep. There are major sandstorms and they are severe. Serious, yeah. <laughs> So it may be possible that that could happen. But we've hit it all. We've had major rain. We've had mm-hmm. fog. And at that, in that case, you just got to slow down and take your time. We've actually had, um, we've driven through snow squalls. Mm-hmm. And in that case, you just have to slow down or get off or stop. Another tip for all of these problems is driving in the right lane, right? Yep. So... It's better, unless you're passing somebody that's slower, um, definitely drive in the right lane if you can. Yeah, we're right at home in the right lane. Yeah. Like there's, it's very seldom that we're ever passing anybody to begin with because we're usually the slow ones. Mm-hmm. 
but it, it happens on occasion. So we just kind of hang out. We camp in the right lane. But Sometimes advantage- yeah. you get to d- stick behind a semi truck and it's like you're kind of drafting it, which helps. <laughs> the advantage of that, though, is then you only have to worry about your left side unless there's a merge yep. coming on. Um, but you only have to worry about your left side and the people that are over there. You can be more defensive driving, which we'll talk about later, because yep. you only have to worry about the one side. Yeah, because if you're like, for example, if you have three lanes in the same direction, if you're in the middle lane, even if you're doing the speed limit in most cases, there's people that are passing on both sides, which can just create more of a distraction and more issues as far as safety goes. And we're wide. So, you know, we could drift over one of those lanes where if you're in the right lane, you kind of can drift over the right one if you have to a little bit. Uh, So that's a good thing. And then if any of these things happen with the rain or the fog or the sandstorms, you're just closer to the edge. Yeah, you can get get over a lot easier. The only time I don't like hanging out in the far right lane is if there is a lot of exits and and on ramps and it's busy, a busy stretch because it's because people don't people have a hard time getting the concept of merging properly. (laughs) So they're either trying to race you or they're uh, frozen in fear next to you and their lane is ending. (laughs) So so we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. All right. Breaking. Tell me everything I need to know about breaking. I'll tell you a few things. Okay. Take your time braking. It, these things don't stop on a dime, uh, even if you have to. So easing into the brakes, you know, being gentle. So an important thing that I do is I look as far ahead as I can for lights, you know, uh, traffic lights or stop signs or something like that, depending on what where you're at, what, what type of driving you're doing. Uh, also animals. Like a so cow. One thing that I do if I know that, yeah, if... Yeah, that was a good one. We've actually had a bison. We've had cows. We've had people. Yep. So. <laughs> people think they can run faster than the RV. <laughs> cows think they don't care. <laughs> but one thing that I like to do, if I know there's something, if I know I'm going to have to stop soon, I'll coast. That way you're not riding your brakes. Because um, the more you ride your brakes, the hotter they get and the less effective they are. And the faster they wear. So. I like to coast some and let this, the engine do it, do a little bit of braking if I can, and then I'll ease into the brakes. You know, it's not, you see people at stoplights and, and green lights that they jam on the gas when it turns green, and then they fly up to the next light, and they <laughs> jam on their brakes, and then you, like, just roll slowly up next to them. This is a tip for all driving, not yeah, just RV driving. Exactly. But with RV driving, you do need to stop farther back. So um, just make sure you're looking way ahead for any kind of distractions or anything that could possibly get in your way that you'll have to stop. For example, we did almost hit a cow just the other day, actually. Yeah, we were kind of just like coming up over a hill at (laughs) highway speeds. Well, we were probably going 60, 65 in like a 70 or 75. And it was a little hill. It wasn't a big hill, but it was just enough to like hide the cow <laughs> yeah and the cow and wasn't the cow sideways was vertical. it, was it, it yeah. was it was it had his butt towards us so it just kind of looked like a black dot and this yeah we didn't hit it we were like whoa but it was just a weird experience and something to just keep in mind you know? and that's another thing is there was there was a car or a truck right next to me mm-hmm. it's not like i could have swerved i would have just had to get it and that's something to always keep in mind, too, is where people are around you so you don't swerve. Yep. And note, because Tony knew there was a car there. He just slowed down. Um, luckily, we 
the cow got off and we slowed down. Yeah, just moseyed um, on off the road. This happened as well with a bison, which would have been awful as well, yeah. in Yellowstone. Yep. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. It was on the side of the road. Uh, and we were going even slower. I mean, we yeah. were probably going 40. <laughs> so that was interesting. Um, but just keep an eye out as far as you can see. Try not to have a lot of distractions inside your RV so that you can pay attention outside of the road. And also, even like on the highway or even city driving, people like to merge into, in front of you. Maybe with maybe not knowing, maybe just kind of ignorant to the fact that you weigh four times more than their vehicle. They like to get in front of you and turn or brake. So when somebody gets in front of me like that, you know, if they kind of do it and I know they're kind of in a hurry, I'll, I'll hang back even more. That makes sense. We're going to talk about later how to handle driving on hills, um, but just briefly tell me a little bit about braking going downhill. So the major thing to keep in mind is you cannot ride your brakes down a, a long decline, like a, a grade, you know, 6 7% grade on a mountain pass or something like that, because that will overheat your brakes, and that'll lead to failure, and that can lead to bad things. Like you'll have to go on one of those, like, off-ramp Yeah, things. like a runaway truck ramp. Yeah. <laughs> if you've listened to any of our podcasts, you know I'm the, uh, what's that movie? I always forget the name of the movie. Final Destination. I'm the Final Destination person. I have an imagination that's insane, and I will think of every single possible thing that could possibly go wrong. <laughs> Not to mention. So I'm always the one that knows where every exit is. I'm always the one that knows where every off-ramp. Like a runaway truck. Runaway train thing is. And I tell Tony, I'm like, there's a, there's one coming up in two miles. Yeah. Thanks, Kristen. <laughs> Just in case you need one, Tony, there's one coming up in 4.5 miles. (laughs) Not to mention anything to do with RVing, especially driving, Murphy's Law will apply at some point or another. Like if it can go wrong, it probably will at one point. So you appreciate me telling you where they are. (laughs) Maybe afterwards I do, (laughs) but not during. (laughs) So that's, that's the major tip for that is... Try to let your engine do some of the work. Um, downshifting, you know, if you have a diesel pusher or something like that, it works a lot better than in a gas or gas coach. It is a, a slightly effective in our rig. So what I do is basically I'm on and off the brakes. I give the brakes a rest, and then I'll apply the brakes, and I'll give them a rest, you know, some and as we coast down. or But you don't brake. let us get going fast. No, nope, um, so, I always try to keep my yeah. speed down that way it, because it can get out of hand. Because you're so heavy, and especially on a steeper grade. So that's one thing to, you have to manage your speed. Or just don't go on mountains. Or just don't do that. (laughs) Drive three extra hours. (laughs) All right, tell me about parking. Everything I need to know about parking a Class A RV. (laughs) Well, it depends on where you're going. Don't think you're going to go to every McDonald's parking lot or (laughs) something like that. If you're going to park somewhere... To go into a store, try to find a, a more open parking lot or a bigger store that has a like a you know even like a Home Depot or Lowe's or, or something like that. Something to the effect where the front part by the door is going to be busy, but the back end of the parking lot is going to be more wide open, so you can kind of park and take up six, seven, ten parking spots like we do. When you're hooked up with the you know a tow vehicle on the back, forget about backing up. You know most of them aren't set up to do that. There are some tips and tricks we can share. No, not on... in this podcast. Ah, yes. 
<laughs> Not in this episode. So if you have a tow vehicle hooked up, um, always have a, an exit without having to back up or unhook. You know, sometimes, some cases you might have to. We've actually pulled into a parking lot, turn around, and we're about two feet short of actually making the whole turn and had to unhook. So keep in mind, watch your watch the size of where you're going to go. What do I need to know, though, if I have to... I mean, I guess in a cl- this class A, you're not going to be doing a lot of backing up. You're not like parking parallel <laughs> parking, backing up into spots. So that's my tip is to park as far away from most of the traffic as you can and and be able to drive out of wherever you pulled into, you okay. know, forward. Since you're not giving me the info I actually was looking for here, which is because you don't do what I thought you do, <laughs> uh, let's talk about making turns because I think that's when you're going to talk about what I want to know here. Okay. So tell me about making turns. What do I need to know when making turns? That I don't run over the curb, that I don't hit anybody on my left side or like in the turning lane of the right, other road. So right turns are going to are going to be more challenging than left turns in most cases. Cuz you They're always more challenging even in a car for me, honey. Okay. So <laughs> just kidding. You have to know you basically your the wheelbase of your vehicle and the pivot point of where you when you're turning. Like in a car or something. Do you, I have to know the length of the rig? Not necessarily. Like in a car, the rear tires typically follow the front tires pretty close. In a longer RV like ours, 36 foot, I, I imagine our wheelbase is in the 20-something foot. I don't know exactly. When you start to make that right turn, the rear tires start actually turning much quicker than they would in a normal vehicle. When, I, when I'm going to start my turn is when I my body in the driver's seat kind of gets to the point where I need to go. And that's a Class A. In the, in the Class A, yep. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be different because some diesel pushers are going to have even a longer wheelbase where the rear tires are even further back. Um, and that's going to change it. So it, it gets tricky in, in places where you only have one, you're in one lane and you're turning onto a one lane road and there's traffic sitting there mm-hmm. in the, in the and opposite. The turning lane. So you have to plan ahead for that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll kind of hug the left side of my lane. That can be tricky as well, because if there's a bunch of cars over there, you have what you call tail swing. And if the back of your RV hangs over your back tires a long ways, when you make that sharp turn, the back of your RV actually can come out as much, you know, sometimes two or three feet. So you don't want to, you don't want the back of your RV to, to hit traffic over there. Whatever you do, just drive your RV in a straight line and you'll be fine. (laughs) Turning left is not as hard. That's pretty simple. Typically because it's, it's a much wider turn. Yep. Okay, we actually, I saw a cool video by RV Geeks that actually explains this, and they show it. They have, like, an RV, and I think they're droning, and they do, like, the RV in a parking lot. So I will actually, I think we watched it, actually, before we got our Class A, or I remember watching it a long time ago. So I'll look for that video, and I'll put it in the show notes, because Tony's doing a great job of explaining it, but it's much easier to see it happen with an RV. Uh, I'm seeing it happen in my head, but... (laughs) I'm not the greatest storyteller, so. (laughs) But it would also be when you buy your RV, go to an empty, and we talk about this later, but, you know, go to an empty parking lot and do some turning around and see how long it takes. Put a couple cones down there, and when you hit them, that's obviously where you shouldn't, you know, get a good idea. Have somebody outside with a walkie-talkie and can tell you what's happening. 
So then you get an idea when you're in roads. And then finally, there may be times where you just have to not make that turn yeah. and go up and around. I mean, there has been times that that's happened to us. Yeah, where exactly. We just didn't feel comfortable making that turn, so yeah. we went up and around the, the corner. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's been several times where we get up to a light or wherever we're supposed to turn, and I say, yeah, that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> because not all, not all right turns and corners and curbs are the same. Some of sometimes you have a really tall curb or a really sharp angle. Not all they're not always rounded. It, after you get so many, you know, after you get enough experience driving it, you kind of have that sense where I'm going to make that or I'm not going to make that. Trust your gut. Yeah. All right. Using your mirrors and tips. Tell me things I need to know about mirrors and tips. So I use my mirrors. Um, I use my mirrors to check traffic to see where cars are around me. And I also use my mirrors to make sure I'm staying in my lane. Cause we, in windy situations, we can wander. I also use my cameras, my mirror cameras um, for that. Because even at night when I can't see in my mirrors, I have that, that visibility of the, the fog line and the, like the stripe lines and I can see where I'm at. Now I don't, I don't spend a lot of time staring at the mirrors or the screen, <laughs> but Quick glances here and there, it, it can be very helpful, especially on windy days or curvy roads and stuff like that. And I have to say that I've followed you many times. Either, you know, it was a short distance we were driving or, you know, whatever reason why I was driving separate. And you drive very straight. You're right in the lane. I'm off the I'm out of the <laughs> lane more than you are. <laughs> but you're doing great. <laughs> Some people use the... Um, the lines as like bumpers. That's me. <laughs> and they bounce back and forth. I try not to do that. Although, you know, some roads and some some weather conditions, you know, I'm all over the place. But <laughs> I try to behave. And I mentioned before defensive driving techniques. If somebody gets in front of me and, you know, if it looks like they're going to, you know, make a quick turn or something like that, I, I hang back. I get – I give them some distance because I know at some point – Somebody's going to get in front of me and then grab their brakes really hard and want to turn or something. Another tip with that, too, is when you're looking in your mirrors every once in a while, you can see people like from way back, especially you do, because you yep. tell me all the time, you know, you see somebody coming from way behind yeah. you and he's like passing people and you yep. can see him passing people. He, you know, he's going to be passing us because yep. we're slow. So uh, that's, you know, you just know that guy's coming up. You can keep an eye on him as well. Yep. And sometimes, you know, if the lane's wide enough, I can give, give them a little bit more room. All right, backing up. This is obviously not with a toad. When you're backing up, you, it sometimes can have the same but opposite effect as turning sharp turns. Um, for example, if, we, if we're going to back into a campsite, we pull, pull past it. And as you're backing up, if you're going to turn, say, I'm, say the campsite's on my driver's side. I'm going to go past it, kind of hugging the left side. And as I start to back up, I'm going to turn towards my campsite. But the front end of my RV is going to swing wide. And we've been in situations where we've come really close to other vehicles, like if they're parked in the road or something like that. For example, good example is Thousand Trails Las Vegas. Super narrow roads and everybody parks their truck and car and stuff in front of their RV because there's no room to park next to it. So you're kind of limited. In this we, RV park, I just close my eyes. 
until <laughs> it's all over. Yeah, yeah. It, and they're, it's too? very tight. Yeah. Hope for the best. That's what insurance is for. Thanks, Progressive. But you have to you have to watch that. And then in our case, we have a backup camera, which helps. But I'm I'm looking. You know, when you're if I'm if I'm turning into my driver's side into a sight, basically my right side mirror isn't really going to show me much because the back end of my RV is going to be swinging left. So the camera helps. Um, watching the the front end helps having someone out help having and if you need help like having somebody with experience to help um spot you is important (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you'll have people come out and want to help if you're comfortable with that if you're comfortable with that let it let them help you if you don't want their help just be polite and just tell them that you got it so one time, this is actually before we were RVing, we had a table being delivered to our house. <laughs> a really big pottery barn table was being delivered to our house. And the guy, it was snowy. Yep. And the guy that, like, stuck in our, <laughs> he couldn't figure it out. He couldn't figure out how to, like, back up out of the area. And Tony's like, do you need me to get in and help you? Yeah, they said they weren't gonna de- they weren't going to deliver the table. Yeah. They were in my driveway, but they couldn't make the turn because it was a hill and a turn. Yeah. And they were scared. They didn't know how to he do said, it. Yeah. He said, he's just not going to be able to deliver it. And he was at my house. I said, it's okay. So I can either get in and do it <laughs> or you can turn it around and we'll carry it from here. And that's what we ended up doing because he wouldn't, he wouldn't attempt to yeah. go any further. He could have just listened to you and you could have backed him in. You're really good at it. But either way. For being professional delivery drivers, they were not very good. Yeah. (laughs) All right, night driving. What do we need to know about night driving? Do as little of it as possible. (laughs) No, really. Yes. I don't don't like driving at night. We do when we have to. Sometimes it's just a beeline drive or something. Or in the winter. The winter months are a little harder to travel late because it gets dark so early. But if you have to, make sure your lights are working good. You know, your low beams and your high beams, all your running lights, your brake lights, taillights. So here's the thing about night driving for me is I don't like driving in the night because I've had LASIK surgery. And so I get a lot of um, like halos and stuff. Halos and glares, like night, like light glares and stuff. Um, but I love being the passenger in night driving. <laughs> Sometimes it's quieter, like there's not as many people on the road. Yeah. Um, and so I, I really do like driving. I like the light, like the street lights and the, the city lights if we're going through a city. So I really do like driving at night. The kids are quieter. The lights are all quiet in the, it just, it's more peaceful to me. I'm 50, um, 50 on it. If we know where we're going and we have a spot already, or if, if oh, we don't yeah, have true. to search, if we're not searching for a, a place to go, I don't mind it, as long as it's not too late. You know, if it's 6 o'clock in the winter and it's dark, whatever. I don't care. So what you're saying is that you don't like it as much when we're boondocking because we don't know where we're going to be. Yeah. Um. So obviously that's really hard. But if we have a set spot we're going to be, I think it's pretty cool, except for the fact that it's, you know, harder on you to drive yep. at night. You have to be aware of more things. Yep. And t- time of night is important. If it's, uh, like I said, if it's a winter month and it's still early evening but it's dark out i don't mind that i just don't like driving tired obviously you don't want to do that in a car or an rv 
But in an RV, it's more dangerous for sure. But there are less people. Typically. If you're a if you're a night shifter, you can you can sleep during the day, and so then you're not tired, and you can drive at night. Yeah. <laughs> Where there's less people. Some people prefer to drive at night. I've yeah. talked to a lot of people who prefer to drive at night because of less traffic. Yeah, that's I, I like it because there's less traffic. Because I get, like, major anxiety from all the people around us, especially if you're driving through a city. Yep. You know, I really like night driving through cities because it's, um, mm-hmm. like, on the highway. It just seems way quieter and way more peaceful. Yeah. Another tip for night driving is when you're you're driving and you have passengers Try to keep the interior lights to a minimum because you do like in our, our class A, we have the big front window that's, you know, not split up or anything. It's there's easily glares. On we see thing. like our whole kid. Yeah. <laughs> the whole kid will show up on the windshield. Yeah. We're like, Kylie, <laughs> like, can you shut your light off? <laughs> yeah. So that's just one thing to keep in mind. Or if you stop somewhere and turn a light on or going to the bathroom, then you go and sit down and forget to shut that light off and you get back on the road you're gonna have that major glare yeah and i just some it might not affect some people but i it's like a major pet peeve for me it is that is annoying any other tips for night driving do you just drive slower just be more aware yeah similar to um you you know you raining or fog could be um more frequent animals oh yes yes that is the bad deer and stuff yep and depending on what type of what or what area of the country you're in, you can have small night animals or you can have really big night animals. <laughs> Tip for freeway driving, we just typically we don't we rarely if ever go the speed limit on the freeways. Most of the country is somewhere between 70 and 80 miles per hour on the, you know, on the freeways. We always go 65. Pretty much. Or less. Well, <laughs> I'm like between 60 65 for a for a few reasons, it handles better. We get way better gas mileage. We have driven early on. We would do seventy. I would do the speed limit, keep up with traffic and all that, or try. And uh, the gas mileage was just awful. So slowing it down, paying more attention to that. Your, the, you know, the MPGs. We saw a little bit of a boost there. The handling. You have to be more aware of people merging. Uh, in that, yeah. especially if you're if you're in that right lane, like we mentioned earlier, um, you have to be aware of the people merging yep. on because they don't know what they're doing. Oh, and I've had I don't know countless times where there'll be I, I'm maybe say two lanes in the same direction. I'm in the right lane going under the speed limit. There's people a line of people passing me on the left side, and there's no chance at all for me to get over. And then they've got a, a merge lane coming up. And there's a line of cars there. People don't, in most cases, they don't speed up. They don't slow down. They just hover next to you yeah. with their lane running out of real estate. <laughs> I don't get it. And it's not like not like I can speed up. And if, and it's not like I can slow down that fast. Legally, so. you can't speed Legally, up. Legally, I don't have to. Yeah. So anyone that's listening to this, <laughs> let me tell you a little bit about merge lanes. <laughs> this is my biggest pet peeve about driving. I'm not a good driver, but... I do know this, mostly because I I like to hang out in that right lane because I have, like, anxiety about people. So I like to be in the right lane. I'm normally not going to speed up or slow down for somebody when they're merging on. It is the responsibility of the person merging on to merge in with traffic. The person that's in the right lane 
doesn't need to slow down or speed up at all. Legally, they're not allowed to go faster than the speed limit, even yeah. if they, even if it's five miles over. So if they're going the speed limit, which is, let's say, 70, if they're going 70, all they could do is slow down, and they don't have to do that. You're yeah. supposed to merge on with them, um, and that includes maybe stopping if you can't merge in. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, so or, now that you know your quick merge lesson. <laughs> or taking a little trip on the shoulder. Yeah. There, I've, and we've had people do that. Like uh, if there's people next to me and behind me, I'm not jamming on my brakes to let this little car in that can easily slow down and fall in behind me. And another thing. Or to rem- easily speed up five miles per hour to get yeah. in front of me and, and be gone and be yeah, done with Yeah, because we're not even speeding. So yeah. we are going 10 under. You can easily go faster and merge ahead of us. But it, that is just a little, that's me venting a little bit because there's been so many times, I can't even count how many times people just don't understand the concept of merging into traffic mm-hmm. next to a big vehicle. Or any vehicle. <laughs> but also one thing to know, if you're towing, Play a little defensive driving there. I always do when we're when we're driving down. I'm always looking out. I'm always looking out my window because I'm so nervous that they're gonna think that the end of the RV is the end and they'll merge into our jeep. Yeah, cut over into the <laughs> into our jeep. Yeah. So keep an eye on that. Make sure that they're not doing that. Not that you could do much, but at yep. least you could be aware of it when they hit your toad. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else about freeway driving, except for, you know, these are obvious things that you should be aware of. Like with any vehicle, you know, there's animals, you're going fast. So keep an eye on that. Um, Oncoming traffic. Yep. All of the normal things that happen on freeways. Be aware that it's not going to handle the same as it, it's not going to handle the same at 65 miles per hour as it does at 45. Okay. City driving. Tips on city driving. Um, whether you're in, whether you're on the freeway or you're on surface city streets, um, if there's multiple lanes, more like let's say there's three lanes, sometimes I will hang out in that middle lane because there's a lot of people either on the freeway they could be merging in a lot, you know, in, in a lot of traffic, and I don't like to, I don't like hovering there because people have trouble merging. Yeah, sometimes. So mostly you're talking about driving through a city, like yep. think. Atlanta, Seattle. Seattle, yeah, exactly. Those kind of places um, where there's a lot of exits. Yeah, people you're, getting on and getting off a lot. Yeah, you're going to want to hang out probably in the middle lane during yeah. that time. And you're probably going 10 miles an hour anyway, so it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, you're right. Really, but, um, but yeah, that's a good point. Also, when you're driving in a city, if like on city roads, if there's a lot of places to turn off. And especially with a lot of intersections or a lot of side streets. Um, I don't like to hang out on the right lane because there are a lot of people slowing down and turning and that's just harder and a lot of times those lanes are a little rougher too you get a lot of like sewers and and uh stuff like that you know it's a lot bumpier so if you have the option to stay in the middle lane if you don't have any turns coming up just hang out in that that middle lane stay away from the some from the intersections and from the bumps and sewers and any other city driving tips yeah just take it slow anticipate your lights You've mentioned that we're not very good at um, yellow lights. <laughs> yeah. The other thing, too, is uh, like, so if you're if you need to pull into parking lots, because there's normally there's a lot of parking lots that connect and stuff like that. Yep. Making sure you don't get locked into something. Yep. 
Yeah, like if you know where you're going ahead of time, if you stop for gas or something and you have another hour or two to drive, maybe pull up Google Maps, the satellite view, and look and see where you're going. Even restaurants. Yep. All that kind of stuff. Make sure. A lot of times when you're um, going to, you know, a fast food restaurant or something, it'll be inside of a plaza and you can park in the plaza part, which yeah. has a lot more room than the fast food part. Yeah, like and a then wide open over. parking lot. Mm-hmm. Yep. So another one that can be intimidating, inclines. Very, very intimidating. Yeah, inclines or grades, um, whether up or down, up, down grades, down mountains. So if you're going, if you have to go up a hill, there, you know, depending on the grade, we've actually unhooked before. Mm-hmm. Some of it had to do with weight and power. Others, other times, it had to do with anxiety. <laughs> So if you have anxiety about going over mountains, unhook before you get there, not yeah. on a mountain pass like we've done. And my tip for that is go ahead of the RV if you're in the car <laughs> because I just drove behind him and then freaked out the whole time anyway. So I might as well. I wish I would have went ahead of him and then. Uh, hope and I show up later. I hope you show up later so I don't have to watch. <laughs> yeah. So basically, if you're going to tow up the hill, ex- expect to be slow. Mm-hmm. And if it's a if it's any decent uh, mountain pass, there's going to be a slow vehicle lane. But we've done most of the mountain passes that we've done. They they always have uh, a passing lane or a designated truck lane. So it might be three lanes wide, and all the trucks and slow RVs are in the right side. Yeah, there's been times that we've gone thirty miles per hour up a mountain pass. Like in Idaho, there was a couple. There were. They weren't super steep, but they were really long. Mm-hmm. The further up you go, the more momentum you lose. <laughs> so you're just kind of like chugging along and, you know, at 30 miles per hour. And it's going to sound like your engine's going to explode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tony has to tell me on every incline, no, it's not going to explode, Kristen. Yeah, I, it's I fine. ask him multiple times on the incline, are you sure it's not going to explode? <laughs> yeah. And if you've ever done it with just the RV and the RV and towed, You'll, I can notice a huge difference because, you know, in our case, we're towing an extra, I don't know, 4,500 pounds behind us with the Jeep. So I can feel it when it's not there. Mm-hmm. So if, if that's something you're worried about, if you have two people, two drivers, unhook, drive separate. There's nothing wrong with that. That moves on to going down the other side because what goes up usually <laughs> has to go down. Not always, but usually. Um, and that will come into... Braking techniques and downshifting, let your engine brake do a little work. And praying. <laughs> Most downgrades will be curvy. For some reason, they don't like just big, long, straight line <laughs> for like 17 miles. For some reason. That actually makes sense. Just send it. Yeah, just go. Yeah, and then at the end, have it be like a, a big long... Hill. Yeah, yeah, perfect. A big hill. That makes complete sense to me. No, that would be terrifying, actually. So one one thing that I do, a little tip, just kind of what I've learned to do, is I actually slow down quite a bit at the top. I stay well under the speed limit before I start descending. That way I don't have to use my brakes as much as soon as I normally would. You know, if, you, if you're just trucking and going over the hill at the speed limit and then you're starting to head down, next thing you know you're going 10 over or 15 over, then you really have to use your brakes, which can be mm-hmm. worse, much worse. 
I do have to say most of the times that I'm with you when we're going downhill, it's never been too bad where I've smelled the brakes or anything like that. I think you've done a really good job on it. Um, I think one time when we were in the Flaming Gorge area, yeah. I think you said they did get pretty hot and you could smell them a little bit, but yeah. we were separate on yeah. that one. Yeah, that was like, um, yeah, that was in that, um, shoot, I can't remember the name of the pass, but it was uh, Vernal, Utah or something like that, like a 9,000-foot pass that we didn't even know was there until it was too late. But on the way down, it was a, it was very steep, and it was a very fast downgrade. That time I did smell brakes. That's scary. But it wasn't bad I enough. wasn't there it, to tell you where the it wasn't bad enough. Yeah. Offshoots were. <laughs> it wasn't bad enough to where the brakes didn't work as well or anything like that. But they were, by the time I was at the bottom, I could tell I'd worked them pretty good. Yeah. Okay, cool. I think that's all you need to know about inclines, downgrades, and mountain passes. At least all we can tell you from a podcast. Anything else about that you think? Also keep in mind if you're if you are towing a vehicle behind you, just that added weight. So you're gonna have to compensate for that too. With a supplemental brake system on your tow vehicle. Some states require it, some don't, but it's always a good idea to have one. All right, driving while towing tips. Go. When you're towing, especially like a, in our case, we're towing a Jeep Wrangler, we really don't have much clearance issues as far as sharp turns and stuff like that. Just make sure your equipment's in good shape. We actually replaced our tow bar not too long ago. Our old one was working, but when I compared the two, the old one to the new one, there was a major difference just in the in the play and all the in all the joints of that tow bar, so I'm glad we did that because it really was it really was time, even though I hadn't planned on it. it was just and you didn't like, know it, yeah, yeah, until I got the new one. Yeah, I remember you got the new one and you're like, wow, this is way better. Like we were driving, you're like, I can feel the difference. Yeah. So. Yep. Just make sure you have your your tow vehicle. What about turning with it with it? Um, turning isn't. Is it the same? It's pretty much the same. Um, we did have one situation actually when early on when we were towing the Tahoe, I turned into a gas station and I probably cut it a little too sharp or too soon, I guess, into a gas pump. And the Tahoe had a wait, wait, wait. You did not turn into the gas pump. Let's clarify that. He was, when I was turning into the spot where the gas pump was. Yes. <laughs> and um, the RV cleared no problem. But if I would have continued on. After I got gas, the Tahoe probably would have made some contact with like the little bumper that they had there on the end of the gas pump. So that's something you had to keep in mind, the turning radius of the vehicle that you're towing. towing. Ours turns pretty well. The it, Jeep that it we have It tracks now. behind the RV pretty pretty well. Um, obviously, if you have a small car or something, you, you have to, even less to worry about. Yeah, I actually look every single time because I'm terrified because... Man, I don't know how you do some of the stuff you do. You're magical. Um, you pull into some areas that are pretty crazy. Um, and then you pull in, and I'm watching behind like the Jeep is going to hit. I know it's going to hit. And then, nope, it falls right behind. And some of like that a good is, little boy. you know, um, just this is just turning in general, I guess. But um, some of it's not completely – sometimes I don't completely follow through with the whole turn. You know, I might turn – into a spot and then kind of straighten out some and then start turning more. It's, it's kind of hard to explain, but um, it kind of makes it a wider turn, if that makes any sense. It, there's, a, there's a bunch of different factors that come into play at that point. It's like the tail swing, the tow vehicle, the front end, how close I'm getting. Sometimes if, I, if I'm turning around to go through a gas station and I have to get the back end of the RV 
close to the pump. Sometimes I have to get the front end of the RV really close and then straighten yeah. it out so that the RV tracks along close to that close to that gas pump. Otherwise, if we just if I just kind of went through, the front of the RV would be close, but the back end would still be sticking way out further than the, what the hose would reach. So Maybe we should have done this podcast a long time ago because I'm always telling you, you're getting too close. No, you have a plan. So, yeah, it's 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 kind of like, I don't know, it becomes pretty natural to, to know where your front end is going and where your back end is going to end up. I think this is all stuff that you would learn, too, if you were practicing. So we talked yep. about that in a little bit. But, you know, practicing in a parking lot with your toad on and trying to figure out exactly where everything goes as you move. Yep. Okay, my favorite tip is you should have in your mind or prepare for what-if scenarios. Yep. <laughs> this is me, 100% right yeah. here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You should prepare for the unexpected. You should think things out, like when you're just sitting there daydreaming or whatever, not driving. Uh, you know, what happens if someone pulls out in front of you? What happens yep. if it starts raining? What happens if it starts a sandstorm in front of you? What yep. happens if there's a cow walking in the road? You know, so then you know, like, you can just kind of run through the scenario in your head. Yeah. And another thing is when you're driving a Class A or any type of vehicle, for that matter, for me, it's like, what would I do if a tire, Yeah. if just, I lost a tire? I was just going to say that. We'll talk about on the next podcast about how um, safety issues and stuff. Yep. But, yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that. You know, what happens if a tire flew off? Like, how would you control the RV? Yep. And that's that's something that you gotta really think consider because if it's a front tire, your your RV's more than likely gonna veer really hard towards the blown tire or the flat tire. Um, so that can be that can be a handful depending where you're at, traffic or rural with deep ditches or something like that. So that's something that you gotta If that ever happens, just so you guys know, if that ever happens while I'm in this vehicle, <laughs> we will no longer be <laughs> RVing <laughs> because I will <laughs> Be terrified. You just leave. Yeah. <laughs> we now buy a house. <laughs> Now's the time. So that's that's always, when we're driving, that's always in the back of my head, like something that I'm ready for, I try to be ready for. And that goes along with wind and, you know, heavy winds, head headwinds or sheer winds and stuff like that. So you're always on. When you're driving a Class A or RV, your your mind is always on. And this is why RV miles are not the same as car miles. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you're going to be way more exhausted after driving your Class A. Yep. Nothing uh, tastes better than a, a after a four-hour drive day is a cold beer. <laughs> that should have been a tip. Yep. Have a cold <laughs> Make beer sure your ready. cold beer is ready. <laughs> All right. So the next section, let's talk about just a few upgrades that we can do for better driving yeah so a couple things uh, that you recommend a couple things i recommend if you have a gas coach like for example we have a we have a ford chassis it's f53 it's very common it's been used for decades i think on these gas class a's upgrade the suspension we did sumo springs on the front and back now i when i did the front ones i did the front ones sooner than i did the, the i waited to do the rears because he thought it was going to be harder. Because I thought it was going to be harder than it was. It involved <laughs> drilling the frame and all that stuff. So waited till we were in a more permanent spot to do that. I noticed a huge difference right away when I did just the fronts. And not only did that help the ride, but the handling, the you know the side to side movements. I guess 
not really sway, but um, what would you call that? The rocking motion back and forth. So that was a it was a relatively inexpensive upgrade for for the value, you know, for the benefit that you get out of it. Um, so I did the front and rear sumo springs. One thing we haven't done yet, I'm not sure if we will, um, but I've heard nothing but good things is a steering stabilizer. There's a couple really um, highly recommended steering stabilizer brands out there, like Safety Plus or something like that. Um, I think it's about a $500 upgrade, but I think it takes a lot of that, the input into the steering wheel. Mm, that so, might be a good upgrade then. Yeah. Because we have a lot of that, especially driving around out west. Yep. And I've thought about it. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that'll be a gear review someday. Um, another helpful thing, if your RV didn't come with backup camera or uh, mirror cameras, you can always add those. They do have, there's companies out there that, that offer like plug and play rear view cameras. That's very helpful. I would say without that, I probably wouldn't be as good of a backer upper. Yeah, you would be. But the, the side view um, cameras, they're very helpful, but they're not a necessity for me. But I really, I really think the backup camera or the rear view camera is uh, essential. So you say that, but do you remember when we first got the RV, the camera was broke? Yeah. And you did just fine. Yeah, but still. Okay. I, is that all for upgrades? Um, I would say initially, yeah. There's always other stuff that you can do. Um, there's performance Okay, stuff. so Tony is a Jeep owner. So he's yeah. going <laughs> to he's gonna have the, there's always stuff you could do. Yeah. <laughs> Line. Well, there's performance stuff <laughs> no, you can I'm do. Um, they have, you know, engine tuners, plug and play engine tuners, exhaust, air filters, stuff like that to help increase the performance. Sometimes it helps increase gas mileage i would say the number one thing to do it, for the bang for the buck is suspension upgrades on on most coaches unless you have a diesel pusher those come with airbag suspension mostly and that's a whole different situation i'm just talking about ours you can also do a more heavy duty sway bar for the front and the back and that helps with the body roll and handling can we unhook the sway bar when we go off-roading? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Maybe it won't creak and pop as much. Get some quick disconnects for it. <laughs> okay, awesome. Finally, their final tip is to practice, practice, practice. Yeah. If you're one of those people that it doesn't come naturally for, Tony drove off the lot. Perfect. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I'm going to brag about my husband for a little bit here. He's probably the best driver I've ever known. He's very, very good at driving anything and everything. So if you're not perfect like he is, then driving school might be an option. A lot of times the dealerships will offer a driving school. If they don't, there's tons of driving schools online that you can sign up for, and they offer them all over the country. I've seen I've seen many driving school situations. So, But a lot of times the dealership will offer something as well. Yep. And, you know, YouTube, YouTube University. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot of good videos with good driving tips and stuff on YouTube. Yes. And you can take those YouTube videos into a empty parking lot. Yep. A lot of times those malls and, you know, those big parking lots work great for that, especially yep. on the weekend or something. You know, bring a couple cones with you and a person to stand outside and just, just so you can get the hang of your RV. Yep. Nothing beats seat time. Hopefully this was helpful and... <laughs> Maybe gets you on the road a little faster if you're scared of driving an RV. It's not as scary as it looks. 
I mean, it is actually scary, but <laughs> it's not too bad. <laughs> it's not too bad. If you want an RV and I feel like there is a, a small number of people out there that are intimidated and not getting into maybe RVing for the reason of I'll never be able to drive it. Yeah. Or I'm too scared to drive it or whatever. And it's totally possible. I have driven this a couple times on a straight road. <laughs> Dirt. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't straight, but it was a dirt road. It was a slow dirt road. Yeah. Uh, just a couple times. But I am going to do it more and more. I, I mean, I feel very comfortable with Tony as my uh, trainer. So I think it's I think it's totally possible. Just get in and practice, and I think uh, this will be helpful. All right. So next week we have a podcast about some cool off-the-beaten-path hidden gems that we have experienced. And then the week after that will be our second part of this series, which is going to be about maintenance and safety tips for beginners. So stay tuned for that episode. And we hope you got some useful information from this podcast. If there's any tips or tricks that we left out or forgot or didn't don't know about, feel free to leave us a comment and let us know. Awesome. Follow us at The Fayolas on Instagram or Facebook. If you need any links from this episode, we'll throw that video in that I mentioned in the show notes. It's at thefailas.com slash 71. See you later. Bye. Bye. One of the tips you were mentioning earlier, which I thought was a good one, is, and I forgot it. Hey, let us know. Do you know your level jack leveling? <laughs> Hold up. You know your leveling jack is sparkling. Sparking. Sparkling. sparkling. <laughs> Please say the thing. <laughs> We're doing awesome. <laughs> I'm out of breath. Because <laughs> you're the only one talking. <laughs> yeah. I don't normally, know how you do it. <laughs> normally it's me talking the whole time. I need one of those. I need one of those <laughs> oxygen. <laughs> similar to how what why are you looking at it like that do you hear that do you hear it though it's like hammering or something oh, oh i hear a little something do, 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 do. maybe is that your heartbeat are you nervous no is it outside am i nervous i don't know maybe i'm nervous i can still hear it no and i don't hear it so i hear it is it my heartbeat what does it sound like it's like doo, doo. Is it your own heartbeat? I don't know. <laughs> it's something. I can hear it. Another thing to remember. Let me do one because this is about the only thing I want to talk about. Okay. <laughs> How I think it is, is if you own a clutch. Well, let me say that again. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you, whoa. <laughs> I don't know. You, you just said that. So. Yeah. I had, some, I had a thought in my head and it was just like. Poof. Oh, okay. I thought it said 14. But like, no, but like five, six minutes of that was trying to figure out what that noise was. Oh, yeah. Were you recording the whole time? Yeah. Oh, boy. What? <laughs> You're staring at me awkwardly. 
And he'll just look at his dash and say, okay, I have 20 miles of gas. And while he's driving down the road, he just gets on his Google Maps, <laughs> finds the nearest gas station, Google Maps views it, so he sees if he can drive around the back. Yeah, and then we go to that gas station, all while driving down the road. Cruise control. <laughs> I get up, get a drink, check my Google Maps, <laughs> make a sandwich. What we just did. What was that? Bottom <laughs> Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> I don't know. Wherever we were. Where Cuba. Is, where is it? Guadalupe? Yeah, so. Going downhill? Yes. You don't break going up, right? No. <laughs> Not in that. I am one of those people because I, if you've listened to any of my podcasts, any of our podcasts, let me say that again. And that comes, that comes, that, and... Don't even put that in the bloopers. <laughs> okay, be quiet. I better listen to this podcast and get some <laughs> tips. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> Any tips and trips? Tips and prips? You can never say that. I was going to say something else, too, about that. Darn it. Anyways. Okay. Had a Biden moment there. <laughs> <laughs> 